Hello, all you cats and kittens. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my god! I was I, at first I got excited. I was like, "Oh, Mondo's going to do a real intro," and no, I got excited. No. And then you said that, and I immediately felt we, we disappointed. Have, keep keep. We don't have. <laughs> see, we don't. We're okay. We're obviously not scripted. We don't have a fucking true intro. We're just. We just hit like we just do your countdown. Are, are, are you are you telling me you weren't up all night writing that cats and no, kittens no. line? Because I, I stole that. <laughs> that. That wasn't that wasn't scripted. I I find that shocking. No, no, I, I stole that from. Uh, you've seen it. Come on, don't. I you're. I know you're fucking with me. You've seen it. I. I it's. It seemed like just brilliant original okay. content that you came up with. But um, I hate you. Let, let's let's keep this as we. This could be our cold open because because it was pretty 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 fucking lukewarm at best. But. Uh, we, we should just say hello to everyone. What's up? What's up, listeners, fight fans? Uh, today we're going to be talking about some MMA stuff. But on the lead, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about something I've been thinking a ton about. Um, should cops be able to use chokeholds? And obviously that's been in the news a lot. I mean, it was hard to watch a man literally get choked to death on video and I, I mean, I think unless you're a sociopath, that, that makes you feel some anger, some empathy for him. There's a lot of emotion wrapped into it. But just breaking it down kind of logically, calmly, is, is that a, a tool that police officers should have? Or is that something that we need to get rid of because it's leading to innocent people getting, you know, choked to death in front of us? Um, and so, like, I wanted to, to hear your thoughts. I mean, I think you probably come at it from a little bit different of a perspective than I would. But I know my opinion on it has changed probably six or seven times just like over back, the... Like back and forth, pro and con? You... Correct. I mean, I'll, I'll just... I'll leave this. At, at, at my first gut reaction when I heard they were talking about banning chokeholds was like, what, what are you talking about? Like, why, why would you do that? That's a great tool for a police officer to be able to use, like you don't want them to shoot people. Right. So why take away a, an option that doesn't involve a firearm right. and guns talking about less than lethal, right? You're talking about, don't let's not use lethal force. Let's wh what other ways can we arm l law enforcement? So, so before we get into it though, before we get into to like talking about chokeholds, I, I want to differentiate like the, the quote unquote neon neck and a chokehold. I mean, you've, how, how long have you been a fight fan from the uh, UFC? Shit, dude. It, so I watched uh, uh, UFC 1. I watched UFC. I remember there was a year when I was like, I don't know, how old was I? Fucking 15, 16 years old or so. And I saw a New Year's Day event. Because this was back when they were like in Colorado or whatever state they were. Uh -huh. And I saw a back-to-back-to-back-to-back, like, UFC 1 through UFC 10 event thing. So that's how old. I, I've been watching it since day one, really. So, so what what year do you think was that? That was, uh, what, like, late? 94? Yeah, yeah, late 90s? Er, er, early, mid -90s. early, mid-90s, yeah. Okay, so we're, we're talking, like, up more than 20 years. Yes. You've been watching fights. In any of those fights where it was, you know, a competitive struggle, two men trying to subdue each other, have you ever seen anyone use the knee-on-neck technique? I I can't I can't say I have because they've can, can you think of one knee on neck submission that was successful and 
the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds no, of fights. I don't you've think I don't think it's ever been employed. I think it's always been like an illegal move to do something stupid like that. Oh, it's not illegal. It's not like that's you. You cannot you cannot knee somebody in the head. You can't bring your knee back and strike them in the head. That is an illegal strike. But that's not. But you can you can put your knee on their neck. Like that's I, not okay. illegal. Quick tangent, but I've seen guys use their forearm to cut oxygen, like as the guy's like on his on his back. Uh-huh. I've seen guys use their forearm or cover their mouth, yes. you know, with their hand. But but I've never right. I've never seen a knee on neck attempt that I can recall. Yeah, you never you never seen jujitsu master Damien Maya uh, no. <laughs> backpack no, no, someone no, no. and then submit them with the knee. On. So so why, why why do you think that is? I, I just don't think that's an effective technique. I don't think I think there's easy ways to get out of it. Yeah, exactly. Like it it's. The only way knee on neck actually works is if the person you're applying it to is already completely subdued. Right. Because like your 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 center of gravity is way too high. Like you, the the your your knee being on their neck means that you're not going to be able to control their hips and keep them from moving. And like like it's it is not it's not a chokehold. Right. It's just being a fucking asshole. I mean that's the best way to put it. Yeah. And in the in the in the case of George Floyd, he had his cuffs on. He was already cuffed. And I forget the dumb shit officer's name. He was. It was just like applying. It really was him applying like a fuck you like to to the guy. It wasn't. There was no. The, the guy wasn't. He he obviously was struggling, but he's struggling because he couldn't fucking breathe. But there was no need for that knee. Um, no, I mean, and to to me, like one of the things I thought of when I when I saw that footage, I mean, there's a lot of like emotions and 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 thoughts. But like I had a a quick flashback to when I was a little freshman wrestler in high school, and you know I was I was small. Like I I I think freshman year I was probably a hundred a little bit more than 135 pounds. I know I wrestled 135 in the postseason. Um, and there was a junior who was a fucking sadistic prick. <laughs> and he would, he would, he ne- I don't think he ever used neon neck, but he would always use all these different sort of quote unquote holds that you, you wouldn't, you would never got taught in wrestling because you weren't going to pin someone, you weren't going to score points, but they were just effective in causing pain. Right. And he just liked to torture freshmen. Yeah. And, that like I thought his name was Scott. Oh, he, yeah. he, he's now <laughs> don't drop his last name. Fucking fucking Scott. Fucking Scott. He's now a dentist. Uh, the business name is no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but but um, but I th- I thought I thought of that guy, and one like I never I never liked him because he was a prick. And two, once I got a little bit bigger and I was a sophomore, literally the first chance I got, I just beat the shit out of him in our practice. I used one of the the more painful holds that he tortured me with as a freshman, right. applied it to him, and then he literally would never wrestle me again. And then he like quit like later in that season. Not 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 because I bullied him, but but like but to to me the whole the whole point of that story um, was the people who do that sort of stuff are doing it purely because they they want to torture somebody and feel feel powerful. And they're sadistic pricks. That that's my feeling on knee and neck. I don't. I don't. Those so, moves that you're talking about in, in, in the in the wrestling world, those moves are legal moves, mm-hmm. but they don't really. I'm I'm, I'm asking you. I'm not telling you. Like, are, are they legal moves that are? They're legal technically, but they're again they're not really doing much in the way of like a wrestling match. They're just like you said. They're just causing pain. I I have okay. So so again, as far as knee and neck, I have no idea if that's legal or illegal in wrestling because it wouldn't like 
the second that you tr- even tried to put your knee on their neck, they would already be moving and out and you wouldn't get a chance to even right. apply it because it doesn't like you're not effectively controlling them. All the reasons you'd want to use a, a, a chokehold to subdue someone, knee and neck doesn't do like you're not controlling their, their hips. You're letting them move freely like their arms yeah. are free. They could it would just would never happen. The the specific move in that I like I remember him doing a lot was was a body scissors. Um, it's like where it's basically like you're, you're putting one, one, uh, leg underneath their back and another across their rib cage. And you're kind of like lock, like, uh, intertwining your own ankles and then you're squeezing right. your knees together as hard as you can. You're not, your back is getting fucked. And it's, it's more, you really feel the pressure on your ribs. Like if you do it in the right spot, it's like goes right across those bottom ribs and you can just feel them bending and flexing and it's really hard to breathe. And that that's again it's not like a super effective move in wrestling that that is legal but you're not typically going to be able to score points with it it's just you torturing your opponent to be a prick about it, it would you say then that is more of almost a of a of a mental tactic like i'm going to cause so much pain that you're going to want to quit using other methods like this is just going to inflict so much damage to you uh, physically or, or or you know you're going to get hurt you're just going to want to quit is that more of a mental attack than a physical? I mean, it, sure, it sucks. It, it, it's one where you just you don't really see in competition because it, it's just it just isn't particularly effective. But if you're in a practice room trying to assert dominance on someone and you want to just inflict pain and be an asshole, yeah, super effective. Gotcha. Like because I mean, wrestling. I mean, I, I, you've probably heard some some of you, the UFC fighters talk about this, where they're like, oh, I you know. I broke so-and-so in the, pa- right. the practice room or like one of the ones that like really stands out. I remember when um, DC uh, Daniel Cormier was supposed to fight someone and that fight fell through and they got Patrick Cummins oh, yeah. on like a really short replacement. And, and t- I mean, I think they, they, t- they kind of conjoled Cummings into this, but they're like, Hey, uh, talk about when you made Daniel Cormier cry in the practice room. And I remember seeing them like, oh, what are you yeah. doing? Like the practice room is one thing. And because a lot of the, a lot of wrestling practice is just getting yourself as mentally tough and dealing with pain and being exhausted and being hurt. So, you know, for those six minutes when you're on the mat, like you're just unbreakable. But I was like, dude, what do you like what 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 happens in the practice room is one thing. What's actually possible in a real match scenario is a completely different thing patrick cummings you're digging your hole deeper and your your mouth is writing checks that your fists can't cash stop it yeah. buddy i like i like this mustache he rocked a mustache for a while oh patrick he still does <laughs> and then he does toothless tuesdays he'll because he i guess like he, he's got uh like a veneer so he'll take out his his yeah. top teeth but yeah so so that was a, a whole long roundabout way of saying that like Neon neck is absolute garbage. That should be a hundred percent banned. There should be should have been no reason police officers were ever using it in the first place. Like I, th- I think we we can probably come to a consensus on that, right? Yeah, I, I think. And again, I'm not I'm not law enforcement, and I I don't I don't know of anybody that actually has. Uh, I'm going off of what I've seen. I think that it is an, a tactic being used, but not quite the neck. I think I think the attempt is again once the once law enforcement uses. A technique the the guy's already subdued and they're just applying the need to like their their upper back to like just kind of pin them and hold them in mm-hmm. such a way i i'm pretty sure that neon neck is not a an lap or not lapd a, a law law enforcement 
um, tactic. No, it, it's it's not it's not it's not like something in some sort of training right. manual that they're taught. But obviously, it's out there because that that George Floyd case was not the first uh, time that that's been used. And unless it becomes strictly prohibited and people are getting prosecuted, it's not going to be the last. No, either. exactly. So like, let's just put that one aside. I mean, I think basically let me put it this way: if you cannot agree that that just needs to be outlawed and it is not something that should be done. Uh, stop listening to the podcast, go fuck yourself. And yeah. I don't want to know you that, that, that just, just no uncertain terms. I'll put it out there. You, you can, I'm not speaking <laughs> for you. That's how I no, feel. About that. I, I agree. I, I think that that was a special case of someone abusing, uh, you know, their physical, uh, their physicality. They had, they had a chance to be extra physical, whether the, and again, that's why I asked you a little bit earlier about like the, the, in, in regards to wrestling moves, is it more of a mental thing? Like it's going to cause so, so much pain that you're going to want to mentally quit. And I think, I think that's what, I think this cop already had in his mind, like, I'm going to fucking get this guy. Like he, he had, at some point there was, there was no, like, I'm going to, to, to obey the law or subdue this guy legally it was like i'm gonna fucking make this guy feel some shit okay so so yes and 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 just to to revisit that part of the conversation that is an aspect in wrestling is it something that's executed with neon neck no but um there's there's lots of things i mean so like if you're in a clinch in wrestling i mean you you can grind your your head into the side of someone's face under under your jaw um the, the place where people will attack the neck a lot is uh, particularly if they're they're they call it riding legs in wrestling. It's basically when you've taken someone's back in wrestling, and it, it's very hard to expose their back and get back points. But you can just dig the tip of your elbow right into the the top of their neck. It's not across their right. throat where it's stroking them, but it's like extremely painful and annoying. And uh, part of the reason why wrestlers universally hate leg riders, people who, who, who run legs, because it's like, Oh, this is going to be annoying. They're not going to get any points, but I'm going to have to deal with pain, you know, uh, yeah, pain for at least probably a minute and a half until the, the period ends. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of things like that. Like, yes, there's definitely a mental aspect, but I, as, as a wrestler, I would have been thrilled if someone tried to do me a neck because I'm like, Oh, you just gave me a free escape. Thanks. It's not a very, it's not a very effective uh, technique to hold someone down. But on the flip side, I mean, if you're trying to seduce someone, there definitely are a lot of chokeholds that, that are effective. I mean, we've seen, you know, submission victory after submission victory in the UFC. So I guess, I guess the question is to look at it from the opposite perspective. Like, I mean, what do you think would be some of the positives of chokeholds in law enforcement? So yeah, uh, for sure there, there needs to be, there's all these, uh, police brutality or, 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 you know, sentiment going on right now. And they're trying to figure out a way what's, what's, what's the right way to subdue someone without actually pulling a trigger. And I think, uh, I think someone well-versed in, in, uh, in like an art, like, uh, like wrestling or jujitsu or even judo, right? Someone that, that takes these, uh, these training seminars. And I know they do, I know it's out there. I know they take, they, there's, there's special law enforcement seminars for these guys, but, um, Again, you're, 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 the idea is you're trying to subdue a criminal without having to pull a trigger. I, I think that's huge. I mean, you said without pulling a trigger um, because it, it's like can, can a choke go wrong and it become lethal? Like, right. sure, absolutely. Uh, but there's no there's no scenario where a cop tries to apply a chokehold to someone 
and the chokehold accidentally misfires and like hits a kid right. who's in the vicinity and that kid dies. Like that was one of the ones because I mean that 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 has happened, right? Like a cop is just like fucking nervous and they have an itchy trigger finger and they 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 pull the trigger and some kid ends up dead who ha- really had n- nothing to do with it and was not the the, the target of that aggression. So it's like. It, it, at least in that regard, it, it is safer. Yeah, I um. So 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 I think that um. This is this is weird. I I thought about this this morning when I was taking a shower. Actually, uh, I, I don't know why it has anything to do with it, but I just thought about. I just thought I'd say that. But anyway, uh, I think I think as a requisite to 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 join a police academy, there should be. There should be some level of grappling know-how before they even enter the academy. I don't think it should be part of the academy. I think they should. I think it should be something on the resume. I think it should be something like, like, hey, I, I'm I'm a you know 12, 14 year old kid, and I want to be a cop one day. I think I should, and, and and knowing that I have to have some kind of grappling um, acumen in my in my resume, I think. They should be required to, you know, and, and I'm going to use jujitsu. Um, they should, they should be at mm-hmm. least a, maybe a blue belt, um, or, or you know, they sh- they shouldn't be a white belt. They shouldn't be some guy that just did it just to kind of get the marks. Like I did the entry level of work just so I can be a cop. It should be like I'm proficient enough. Like I'm very proficient um, in this in this art, whether it's again judo, wrestling, grappling, uh, BJJ. And then they can enter the academy. So, so just to be clear, like, uh, so you said you said a blue belt, and I think I think some people in the grappling who aren't in the grappling world rather get confused because they think about you know like karate or ta- taekwondo when they're little kids, and it's like, oh yeah, you go for a little bit, you get a belt. It's just like quick progression. In, in jujitsu, if you're at a real jujitsu school and you you are a complete novice, you've never grappled. It's going to take you at minimum, and this is when I say, you know, two years to get a blue belt. And that's like like going to every single class, going to classes four or five times a week, like being diligent, being like all in on it, which um, is it, just, it's not easy to do. I mean, particularly right. if, uh, if you, like I said, you don't have a grappling background and it's like, okay, so I, I want to become a cop and then I'm going to have to pay for... At least, like I said, at least two years. I think most people realistically would take them closer to three to four years to get a, a blue belt if they're a complete novice. Like, I'm going to have to pay for three years, you know, plus of classes just so I can then be- become a cop, which is this, like, dangerous job that right. actually doesn't pay that well. That's, okay. a, that's a tough sell. I mean, so I, I agree with you in principle. I think in practice that could be tricky. And the reason I say, okay, so there's white belt and you get your little stripes and then after white belt, it's brown. Am I mistaken? Okay. And then- yes, you're completely mistaken. It goes, it, no, you're, 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 you're way off now. I'll, I'll just tell you the belts. You're, it goes white, blue, purple, Okay, brown, so then, yeah, it, 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 blue. Blue is the one I did, I did mean to say. Um, and, and sure, sure, it yes. maybe takes two to four years, right, to, to do it. But I think by then... See, if, and and I'm not a practitioner, so I'm just going off of what I've heard. So I know anybody listening is gonna be like, anyone listening as an actual jujitsu artist is gonna be like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But but I have observed and heard enough to know that when you practice jujitsu, 
there's an element to it, especially when you're a white belt, where you're getting humbled multiple times a day. Yes. I, I mean, even th- there's an element, unless, unless you're a bully like fucking Scott, <laughs> I'm going to bring Scott back up, you piece of shit. You, you're getting humbled the entire time you're doing jujitsu, regardless of how good you are. It, it always happens. There's always somebody better. And unless you just shy away from going against people who are better, you're, you're constantly getting humbled. And for a lot of people, and I'm just, I'm just agreeing and backing up what you're saying, guys who think they're super tough, it, it, when, it is the worst when they're white belts because they think like, oh, I'm really strong. And then they just get handled by someone who's 50 pounds right. less than they are. And they're like, what the, what the fuck? And like, eventually you get used to it, but there, there's a constant process of being humbled. And as soon as you think, oh, I, I've got it. I know what I'm doing. Then you'll run into something you've never seen before. You'll run into someone who's just a little bit slicker than what you're used to. And you get humbled all over again. And that's, and that's the element. It's, it's not, it's not just the actual tech technical side of jujitsu that I think is important to be in law enforcement. It's yes. the, it's the mental aspect of being, of, of knowing that, that, that you're not the biggest fish out there. You're, you're out there and you're hoping you're praying that what you're doing is going to subdue this criminal but you're also going to know that there's going to be a chance there's some, that someone out there can do something to you that could fuck you up. So, so in that in that humbling sense, you're not going to go overboard when you're trying to uh, take somebody down or or hold somebody down. I mean, I think I think you just hit on a big one of maybe not chokes per se. Well, I, I think I think it all kind of ties together, right? It, it is that mental aspect because I think there there would be. Th- Two really big things, and they're sort of like two sides of the same coin. Um, it, it's it's one. I, I think knowing that you have that that grappling background, knowing that you know before you have to pull out your gun, you have this skill set, including chokes. That that would give you a, a measure of confidence. I mean, I know for me, having that whole wrestling background, um, you know, and I, I was. I mean, I'm, to be clear, I'm not close to a, a black belt in jujitsu. But dealing with any normal person, I don't feel as intimidated because I'm like, I have, what, 23 years of grappling experience to fall back on if we get in a fight. Like, yeah, maybe, you know, I get jabbed in the face once and then I'm just going to do any of the 50 takedowns I know and what's going to be on the ground and I'm going to be fine. Like, it's reassuring. And then, but on the, on the flip side, one of the great things about jujitsu in particular, and, and this is something that I never experienced in wrestling, is you get really used to being calm in stressful situations. Right. Like, like one of the problems I had in jujitsu early on was even though I had all this, um, you know, wrestling technique, and I was, you know, very physically strong when I started jujitsu, I would get tired way too fast. Because in wrestling, it's everything's like 100% go, 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 full blast. But it's a, it's a six-minute match. Jiu-Jitsu, you do five-minute rounds typically in practice. But that moment, maybe that was just because I was in an MMA gym. But like you'd be, you'd be grappling for like 90 minutes to two hours. And if you, if you, were, if you were just tense, like, like every, you know, your, your heart rate's up, you're, you're – going full blast like you just get tired so fast and one of the things i had to learn was how to stay calm and just keep my heart rate down 
in, in all situations, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm in an advantageous position. Great. I can't get too excited. I just have to systematically go through what I have to do. Okay. This guy is like almost about to choke me. That doesn't matter. I still have to stay really calm because if I don't, even if I get out of it, then I'm still going to be exhausted and right. just get going to get submitted with something else like two seconds later. So like, it was this weird effect where even for me, like even when I was outside of um, training and I was just walking around in the normal world, everything just seemed like it had been dialed back. Like someone was an asshole and cut me off in traffic. It's like, well, okay, they don't have their arms around my neck trying to choke me. Like this isn't a big deal. Uh, I get you. I get you. Kind of like, kind of like, like reset your nervous system almost, which like, I think for cops, like, man, if they could, if everything could just be dialed back from like a 10 to a five, that would be huge. I mean, shit, uh, a large percentage of their time out in the field, they're in high pressure, high anxiety situations where they don't know if someone's going to, you never know if you're just going to go make a random, uh, search warrant thing and some dude pulls a gun out on you or whatever, like, Again, when you're when you're able to mentally dial it back a little bit and be a little calmer in crazy situations, you're able to just use better judgment. No, no one that's pissed or in an anxious situation makes the best <laughs> decision all the time, unless you're like a fucking Navy SEAL or some shit like that, where they just. But even they, even they, have learned to uh, calm calm things down in their mind. You know, they're not. Uh, they don't feel pressure the same way. Right. And I think if you if you provide and that's why it can't be in, it can't be whatever whatever grappling uh, or, or jujitsu or, or judo training these law enforcement officers go through. It can't be entry level shit. It can't be it can't be just I'm going to do this just to just to get that check mark off of my you know, it's it's got to be somewhere they have to have some some certain level of proficiency again for the mental side of it for the physical side of it there's there's a lot of things well so, so okay so if thinking about it that way cuz it sounds like most of the positives that we're advocating for are when someone legitimately knows what they're doing where maybe they're not an absolute master right um but they've put so so just to give you i i was trying to calculate in my head to get a blue belt i, I think you'd have to put around 500 hours in like that's that's a lot of time. I mean, if you think about it, like a class is is two hours long. That's a yeah. lot of fucking classes. So yeah, it's it's not someone who's just a complete novice and you know or you know did a intensive you know week long grappling boot camp and they're like oh I can just you know do a choke now. Um, so it sounds like we're 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 definitely advocating for positives, but mostly positives that come through a, a, a level of of proficiency like when you've actually put the time in but so i guess i guess on that that idea like what would be some of the negatives or what are some of the negatives of of chokes i think like actual chokes i think with i think with any with any um whether it's a weapon or tactic technique knife whatever there's always going to be a bad apple that you can't eliminate that you 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 really can't you really can't get rid of every single asshole um out there and again the hope is that a guy is not that <laughs> sadistic where he puts himself through 500 hours to get himself blue belt and then says i want to be a cop so i can kill people like i don't i don't i don't know if someone that that 
crazy, that sadistic to do to do that much work. But again, you never know. That maybe I don't think it has to just be someone who's sadistic. Like, do you have any any friends that you're like physically have been around that trained jujitsu? Well, yeah. There's uh, there's Jay. So I okay. So I don't know if Jay has done this, but it's like. Like, how often do they want to try out techniques on you that they have learned in jujitsu? Never. No. What, oh, never? I, okay. I, I, so, I've, so, I've wanted him to, but knowing Jay, he's a big, strong guy. He'd, <laughs> maybe he'd go a little harder than on me he's, as a big fuck you. I don't know. Maybe he wouldn't. Okay. So that, that, so that is good. Props to Jay. Um, the point I was getting at, though, is and this is just a lot of jujitsu guys. It's like you give them like a new toy or like a tool right. and they want to use it. Cause it's like, oh, like, you know, and, and I, I could only imagine if you're a cop, like for me, when I was training, I was like, oh, great. Now I know how to deal with this situation in the gym, but like, it would be exciting. Like, oh, I learned how to do this new submission hold. And like, I could see using it in the field when this happens, if this happens and they're like, they're visualizing it. And it's like, almost like kind of exciting. Like, I feel there's like, let me practice it on you. Let me practice it on you. Practice dummy. Exactly. I think there's a lot of cops who... You know, maybe they're not like sadistic human beings, but they just would want to want to do jujitsu on someone, and they would look for opportunities. Like, oh, that guy uh, made a threatening move towards me. I mean, we see cops do that with guns, so I, I I think that guy though is the same guy that probably trains jujitsu for a little bit and says, oh, I do UFC. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I think that guy with that mindset is probably a guy that's just not very. He's just doesn't have the right mindset. I, I think. Uh, Go ahead. Well, I, I was just gonna say, on, on as far as like training UFC, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I train UFC. Yes, that I, tra- I train UFC, bro. I'm a yeah, black belt in UFC, yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> Don't mess with me. But 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 talking about UFC, like, I think a lot of people, particularly people who um, are familiar with chokes, like from the UFC or you know, jujitsu, they think about it as this like completely non-lethal thing where it's like, oh yeah, like you put the choke in and then they let it go and they get up and they're fine and it's not that big of a deal. But part of that is that (laughs) the person getting the choke applied to them can tap. And as soon as they tap, then you just let go of the choke. But it's like, how, how many times have you seen UFC fights where like, you know, a ref is watching and they can't tell that someone's completely out. Well, shit, it happened to this last card, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, or, you know, on the person applying the choke doesn't have any idea and they let go and it's like the person's just like completely unconscious. You you can't escape the fact that there's always going to be a a, a Rusamar Palharis out there. And 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 that's that's like such a difficult line to walk where it's like, okay— you're you're out in the field. I mean, presumably they should be using a choke if they're like fighting for their life or they feel like they're in danger. So it's like they're out in the field, they're in danger, they're contending with someone who who is enough of a threat where they have to apply a choke and then they have to know the exact right moment where they're not going to like do legitimate brain damage to the person, but the person's also going to not just wake immediately back up and start punching them. And, and it's like you have to get all of that right. There's no ref to tell them to stop. There's no tap. So it's like how, how yeah, how do you how do you walk that line if as you're a cop? It seems to me like it's impossible. Um, when you're you know when you're out to make an arrest or or or, or get somebody right, you you have a partner and and that and there's body cams right. So again, if 
if uh -huh. if this if the train if the overall training is done well enough you can review the obviously you can review you review the video anyway right when you put a knee on neck and george floyd you review the video like that wasn't cool i think i think that's when uh, just to be i mean i th i think saying that wasn't cool is a little bit of an understatement to describe murder right. but uh, yes Sorry. i understand what you're saying right no i <laughs> like, i i totally no i i i accidentally downplayed the fact that because we can talk, we can right anyway. I know, I know. I'm just. I, I think, I think that's why that's why you have that's why you have a. Um, yeah, you don't have a ref there, but you have your partner there, and and you're you're obviously both guys have body cams and whatever. So, the partner needs to be trained enough to say, "Hey, dude, okay, he's down. He's let's let's put zip ties on him or cuff him or whatever, and that's it." Game over. The guy's given up. See, but if you if so, if there were two of you though to subdue one person, do you really even need a choke? I mean, no. Yeah, you do. Because there's how many times do you see where it's like four or five dudes trying to hold down one guy on like cops and all this? Okay, shit. But, but so here I watched a lot of these cop videos, um, body cam videos and stuff. Just uh, or, or you know, since, since everything happened with George Floyd and then. Uh, in Atlanta, and then it's like there's ton of them, and every single video, the thing that stands out to me is these cops have no idea what the fuck they're doing. Like they don't know right. like basic grappling shit. Where I'm like, oh, you, because for me, I think I'm trying to remember. I think I started when I was seven years old. I'm like, so like stuff that I would have had a really good handle on by the time I was ten. Like they seem to have no concept of, and I'm and. So if, if, if the question is, well, do, do you think it's okay to have two just complete novice white belts be in charge of, of deciding when a choke needs to be stopped? Is that okay? I'm like, no, fuck no. Like, right. there's, there's no way. If, if, you, if you set up the scenario to me, like, you're going to go train jujitsu, and if a white belt gets you in a choke, you, you tapping has no bearing. They're not going to stop, and it's just – they have to either decide to to stop the choke or another white belt that's like on the side has to tell them to stop. Are you okay with that? Yeah. I'd be like, oh, fuck no. Like, but again, we're they don't talking know what they're about doing. <laughs> them not being white belts at this point. They're blue belts. We're we're. But 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 so but that's that's my point. If there if there's okay, so if you've got a partner and there's two of you and you are actually legit blue belts, you really should not need a choke to subdue someone. Uh, and a, ch a choke is such a fine line where it's like you can get them woozy for a second and then you stop it or you go along a little bit too long and, you, and you're causing brain damage. I mean, literally what you're doing with like a, a rear naked choke is you're cutting off airflow to someone's brain. Right. Their brain is not getting enough oxygen and your body is like, oh, fuck, we're about to die. We're just going to all systems off. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're, just, we're, just, we're just we're just boot, you know, turning off the whole. Uh, system pulling the plug because like this, this is like system critical. Like our our mainframe isn't isn't getting oxygen. Well, you're hoping to you're hoping that that a, a well versed um, grappler is going to probably try to avoid a choke at all costs and and just go for the restraint factor, right? I I think so. Well, so, so let me let me put it this way. Like, do you think all chokes? are created equal like are there some chokes that, that are that are safer than others or i mean and then i'm just saying just based off what on what you what you've seen in the ufc so i don't i don't know that's that's a that's more of a technical part that i mm -hmm. i don't know enough to speak on I, I i would for sure sound stupid by saying oh yeah there are certain chokes that are easy or that are less lethal than others i, I that that's above my 
my knowledge. I've seen different kinds of chokes. I've seen, you know, the guillotines, the bulldogs, rear nakeds. I've seen different kinds Mm -hmm. of them, but I, I, I don't, I've never trained to know which ones are worse than others. Okay. Well, so so let me put it this way. Like the, like a rear naked choke, like that's one of the ones that is the most effective in the UFC, I would say. Right. Right. Um, so, and part of the reason it's so effective is because to get a rear naked choke, you've, you've, you've taken their back. I mean, so if someone's listening, who's not a UFC fan, that means that you're, you're behind them. You're basically pin pinned to them, your, your chest to their back, riding them like a backpack. You usually have, have them tied up with your legs. So you either have hooks in where your legs are hooked, like basically around their waist and then through their legs or you have a body triangle where um, you are tightly squeezing around their waist with their legs, so they can't really move. And it's like you, and you're really, and and part of the reason again it works so well in the UFC is that that person who's a, getting ready to apply a rear naked choke is in a completely safe position for them. They can't get hit, and like maybe if if they were careless with their head, the person Headbutt could them. like. Yeah. Do like a reverse, yeah, like a reverse headbutt. But if you're doing a good job, you have your, the, your head really tight to their back, so that's not even a threat. So it's like they're completely safe. They have the person subdued, and then they can just sort of systematically, patiently work for a choke. But but like to me, when I'm thinking about that, I was like, oh right, you already have them subdued. It would be pretty simple just to get wrist control, just just get like an inside uh, wrist control, or maybe even a two, two on, on one, one risk, yeah. and just. Pr- yeah, and just pry that wrist back and then cuff them. Like, it's not... Why do you need to apply a rear naked choke if you already have them completely right. controlled? So then... But again, so then so then I guess you probably answered my question. There are other techniques like a, like a guillotine that, you know, they're face down when you got them in the guillotine, so you can't really read their face. You can't... <laughs> you don't know if they've fallen asleep. No. You kind of just go off of... You kind of just go off of when their body goes a little limp or, you know... Well, and, and the guillotine's a little bit different. I mean, uh, unlike the pain scale of chokes, like, um, t- to me, like, the most the most uh, painless choke is a triangle. Um, like, a triangle choke. So that's when the, they've got your arm and, and head caught in between uh, their two legs and they're applying pressure on your carotid arteries basically with the inside of their thighs. Um like I remember the first. Oh, did I cut out? I think yeah, it was weird. Like some advertisement popped up on my screen it's and porn. Then it just cut out. So so basically, uh, what I was saying is is on the scale of chokes, like the least painful choke that that at least from in my experience is a triangle choke. So that that is when they've got your arm and your your head trapped in between their their two legs. So they're basically applying. Uh, pressure on your carotid artery using the, like the inside of their thighs. And I remember like that was like before I'd even, um, started jujitsu. I, I did like a year mm. of judo and triangle chokes are, are just not popular in judo ever because, uh, at least at that point in judo, they would stand you up like way, way before you'd ever actually get to a triangle choke. But I, I think there was someone who must have been a, a jiu-jitsu guy came in to the, the dojo and he's training. I remember getting caught in this triangle choke. I'm like, oh, this is like kind of interesting. I've never been in this position. I didn't really feel threatened at all. It didn't particularly hurt. I'm like, it's like, it's like he's like hugging me with his legs. That's kind of weird. 
<laughs> so you felt like he put you oh, to yeah, sleep? Oh, yeah, I did. I did. I went out for like a second and then he just let go. And then I'm like, like kind of waking up. I'm like, whoa, what the fuck happened? He's like, yeah, dude, that was a triangle choke. I was like, I've never seen that. Like, that was cool. <laughs> and and because I went unconscious, the uh, the black belts that ran that dojo did not want to let me practice for the rest of the time because they're like, no, you're compromised. And I was pissed off. I'm like, I I wouldn't have let him get – this is my – you know, my, my – I think I was, what, like 24 when I was training judo. So my freaking meathead and tell me, like, I wouldn't have let him get me in that if I knew. I was just like, I didn't feel threatened, so I just let him do it. Like, it was fine. But, it, cause, and that one didn't hurt. Rear naked chokes are a little bit more painful. Cause just because there's not as much meat on your arms as there are on your legs, like you're you're kind of digging into those those facet joints on the side of your neck. Um, you can crank a little bit more. But it really doesn't hurt that much. Uh, a guillotine is a completely different type of choke. At least, at least the most most guillotines, like your standard guillotine, it's it's not going to be a, a blood choke where your carotid artery is cut off. It's going to be an air choke. So it's like you're you're putting pressure across the, the neck and your windpipe, and you're cutting off the airflow from your right. uh, to your lungs. So it's 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 one uh, more step where instead of directly cutting off oxygen to your brain, you're cutting off oxygen to your lungs. So then your lungs can't circulate it to your blood and then it can't get to your brain. So it takes a lot longer and it's way more painful right. and fucked up. It's a little bit more, I've seen, yeah, it looks a little more, again, you, you, you in, in, in MMA speak, when a guy's applying a uh, guillotine, it's, it's hard. You, there's not a camera that's going upwards from the bottom up. So you don't actually see mm-hmm. the facial expression or the pain. Like, yeah, if they got if they're on the ground, if they're both on the ground, they're applying it. I will I will describe in a way where you can you can visualize the the facial expression. <laughs> imagine someone is 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 imagine someone is out in the woods by themselves, and they're they're like taking like an incredibly like painful shit. Was- <laughs> it's like it's like it's like hard. Like they've been like constipated, and this 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 thing that looks like some sort of fucking dinosaur fossil is coming out of their butthole and then out of nowhere someone runs out of the woods and then also kicks them in the balls as hard as they can that's the facial expression those people are making when they're getting choked out yeah it's not dude getting caught in a guillotine is not fun um and i can and again okay this goes back to what i was saying i remember when i was coaching i was i was coaching lacrosse for a high school lacrosse team and one of the the other coaches who was m- my same age, for some reason, he just he thought he was like, gonna like fuck around with me and went in like he was going to uh, do some sort of like like mm-hmm. double leg takedown. And not really thinking about it, I'm like, oh, like you're walking right into a guillotine, and I did it. And he's just, he's just like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's like tapping. He's like, what was that? Like I've never be- been cranked on like that. That was so painful. I'm like, oh. Is there? Do you think? Is there a lot of technique to get? I mean, obviously there are there are levels of it. There there are levels of technique. The way the way I see it is like, I can be trying to take somebody down and I'm leaving my neck and head exposed. And anybody that hasn't trained jujitsu can apply a really raw, I guess raw mm-hmm. uh, guillotine on you and and put you to sleep. Yeah, well, there, I mean, there, there's there's a lot of levels and a lot of different ways to to do guillotines. I mean, so I was. That, that that air choke is the most common one where you're you're just cutting off the, the the windpipe. I mean, there, but there's there's a bunch of different ways to do guillotines. I don't know all of them because 
As a wrestler, I was usually the one who was sort of engaging the takedowns more. Right. Like a guillotine is a good one to if if you're someone is going for a takedown. You're defending one. Um. So like most of the stuff that that I worked on was how to get into top control, and then I was I was trying to to work submissions from top control because that's where I, where I ended up the most. Um. Even against, you know, much more seasoned uh, jujitsu players than I was. Um, because I, I had all that, that wrestling background. So it's like, yeah, there's like, f- I mean, I'm trying to think all, all the different ways I know. I, I, I know what I think four or five different ways to use a, a, a guillotine and just like anything in jujitsu, there's tons of nuance. There's different ways to grip your hands. There's different holds. Uh, I think just about all of them suck when you get put in it though. Yeah. It's, it, you're, 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 you're going through a different level of, of, uh, of anguish. <laughs> Um, Dars chokes, I like those. I'm trying to I'm trying to think like what scenario as a police officer you would need to use a, a Dars. I mean, I, I guess you could. I, I I think I think the ones that would come up the most would be a rear naked choke, like m- maybe maybe a, a head and arm. But I I think if I was a cop and I felt physically threatened enough to the point where I had to use a choke. I would just be looking to get back control and use a rear naked choke. Right. Like if, if I was going to use a choke because I, I, it's a position where I'm safe. I can also see what's going on. Like I wouldn't want to use, um, I, w- I wouldn't want to do uh, a Darce where like you're, you're, you, you get rolled over and you can't really see mm-hmm. what's going on around you very well. Cause like, I don't want to like be trying to apply a choke and then have somebody come out of the periphery that I didn't know was there and like kick me in the head. But that's kind of why I like I like you, you could you could be applying a rear naked and still like looking around and, and aware of your environment. Do you th- okay? So uh, we're saying we're saying we kind of come to the consensus that we're saying that they should that law enforcement should have some kind of acumen. They should have some kind of know how. Um, it should be a continued thing, right? It shouldn't be like okay, I just did this. I got my blue belt. I'm in the police force. I'm a, I'm a cop because. All too often do we we make that joke about how cops let themselves go <laughs> as they progress in their career and they kind of get out of shape and fat and develop the the donut beer belly thing. Yes, I I feel like every cop I've seen like in person in the last like uh, probably like month is like a five foot nine to five foot eleven like white guy who's like late twenties to mid thirties and about. 10 to 15 pounds overweight. I was thinking, I was thinking more like Homer. <laughs> oh, I got it. Maybe, maybe that's just a Colorado thing, but yeah, I've like, since I started paying a lot closer attention, like I'm, I feel like it's every cop I've seen. Um, but so do, do you think they should have to have that grappling experience to become a cop or is that something that they can start working on once they are so a cop? I know, I know. Cause I, fo- I follow, uh, Mike Beltran, who's a, I was gonna say judge, <laughs> Who's an MMA referee, and I also follow Big John McCarthy, who was a former referee. Um, both mm-hmm. have, and I know Mike Beltran still trains jujitsu on a regular here in Santa Fe Springs, uh, really close to Whittier, mm-hmm. um, at New Breed MMA. Um, but then again, these guys have these guys have a different. They have they have. At least from what I see uh, outside looking in, they have like a good guy mindset. They're not they're not malicious fuckers that are, you know, 
training jujitsu to fucking kill mm-hmm. somebody. They're they're training because they they want to get better at their craft or they or they needed it to get better at what their what their eventual careers are. And I think um, the same should kind the same kind of mindset mentality should apply for law enforcement, right? Like I, I I'm I'm using these techniques these tools to get better at what my ultimate end game is. That makes sense. Um, so so I think I think practically it's a hard ask to say that people need to have that experience and training prior to becoming cops. Like it, it's a, it's a tough and seems like often thankless job. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe there is someone who has that mindset already. They really want to do good for the community. They're a great you know, person, but they just, their family just didn't have that much money and could not, you know, pay for classes growing up. Like, I don't, I don't think it should be like, well, you can't become a cop. You need to, you need to like take out a some sort of loan so you can train jujitsu for for three years. Maybe the answer is there needs to be kind of a separate academy, like an ROTC type of a um, academy for people that intend to be law enforcement officers. But it's it's strictly and make uh-huh. it make it make it uh, government funded, make it uh, you know taxpayer funded for these guys to to learn the skills. I, I mean, I I almost think that, and this was just us talking through it. I feel like if a cop, and I, and I still I still say if if a cop is going to use a choke because I'm I'm of the mind after seeing all those videos, seeing how much across the board police officers just do not know how to grapple. I'm like, yeah, just just at least temporarily just ban chokes. Just say they can't use them across the board because there's so many of them that have fuck all no idea what they're doing. And then if you want to, from that standpoint, you want to start putting in policies and, and implementations where they could then start using chokes, fine. That's a different story. But I, th- I think y- you could almost make it some sort of thing where once once they, they're, they're in the police force, they've gone through their, their basic training and everything like that, they have to log, you know, X number of hours at a, at a certified place before they can, they can use any any sort of choke and one, once they get those sort of hours like have it be something on their uniform that that signifies like they're a they're you know it could be a blue a blue stripe that signifies they're a blue belt and that they can they could use a choke just just so you're like you know what you're dealing with too so i but i again going back to to the to the, the level of proficiency they have to have because i know that mm-hmm. i know like the gym that that jay trains at and I know New Breed here in Santa Fe Springs, they do offer, and I, I know there's a lot of uh, gyms, right, that offer um, seminars, training courses for specifically tailored for law enforcement. But I don't think that just that one eight-hour seminar is enough, right? I think that's 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 more leaning on, on along the lines like I'm I'm just f- fulfilling the check mark. I don't think um, C- correct. Well, I, I remember the number I threw out as a bare minimum was 500 hours. Right. So, so yeah, eight, eight doesn't quite get you there. Yeah. So I think I think it needs to be some kind of like a continual education thing, where um, and it and it can't be just something within. It's got to be. You got to be out there with with regulars. You got to be out there with civilians fucking you up and humbling you. You got to you got to you got to really, you got to really know what you're doing. And you got to do it with high-level people. You got to do it with yeah, like well, black belts, right? You can't just do it with, uh, well, you can't. <laughs> What's the name of that guy that does videos? At, like they're like they're like uh, they're like 
they're like very hokey training videos, but it's a guy that's Master Ken. There you go. It can't be that. Like it's <laughs> you got to go to like an accredited um, academy or school and put in the hours. Yeah. On. Well, and that's and that's this is where like I kept coming around full circle when I was thinking about this. I'm like, and you know, and this seems like some sort of like Bruce Lee like flow like water thing. But it's like once once you're okay. Let me just re- re- review and kind of try to compose this whole thought. You need a lot. We we said you need a lot of training to apply a choke. We've also talked about how difficult it can be to know exactly when to stop a choke like before you you seriously hurt someone because it is a fine balance a chokehold is a, a it's a it's a move that is designed to kill someone it's not a move that's designed to just incapacitate hmm. them like that's it like you're trying to kill them that's the point of a choke you're shutting off oxygen to their brain and the reason the person taps is because if they don't they're gonna die so taking that into mind it's a very fine line of when you stop, if you stop a choke, it's just completely ineffective or you stop a choke and it's too late. And my feeling was in order to know that exact right moment, you have to have tons and tons of grappling experience. And once you have that much grappling experience, then you don't actually need a choke to subdue somebody. Okay. I like that. I mean, like I said, as a wrestler, that wouldn't be my first thing that I would go to uh, like ever even even against a much larger opponent like I'd look to take the back I'd look to get risk control I'd look to do a lot of other things before just choking them and and working up to getting a good choke where I would feel safe and um you know w- would be able to be kind of secure in that environment like I'm like well I've already subdued them so why do I even need to do this this last step of you know turning their brain off for them do you well? That's we're gonna go on and on if I ask a question. I guess real quick. Do you ever think a choke is a last-minute resort for someone? Like, like I have no, I have no other. Uh, I have nothing. There's nothing else I can do. I gotta choke this guy. Do you ever think that's ever used like as a last-minute tool, although an unnecessary tool? But do you ever think it's used like, oh shit, I got no other way? Like in the case of George Floyd, that was not. Uh, that wasn't. That wasn't it for for sure. That wasn't like a a last-minute. Attempt at you know, the guy the guy had nowhere to go and wasn't doing shit. Yeah, the the, the only scenario I can think of is if, and again, this is just this is where I, like it's hard for me to see this. But if the cop, if a police officer ran into a situation where they're going against someone who kind of was somewhat experienced as a grappler, maybe they just get they get cold cocked, they get hit where they're not uh, when they're not expecting it, they're knocked down to the ground. The person is on top of them, like you know, punching the shit out of them, you know, their, their vision's blurry. They're, they're going unconscious and they, they're able to throw up a triangle Gotcha. and, and, you know, and catch that person as they're punching them. And they're like legitimately worried about losing conscious. Like that, that seems like that would be uh, a viable scenario. Like I could see that happening. I could see. And that's going to be, that's going to be a one-on-one scenario too. You're, you're correct. If there's a, if there is their partner there, that's probably not likely, right. Where they're going to be in that situation. But I mean, I think that happens where where maybe the partner's otherwise occupied, or they just don't have a partner with them because they're first on the scene okay. or something. I I don't know. I could see that happening. Um, so that I mean, that's a good devil's advocate, and that's why I was not <laughs> ready to to just across the board say, you know, no chokes because that that is a situation where it could legitimately be 
you know, th- their life or, you know, the, the suspect's life. And it's like, okay, I think they should be allowed to save their own life in that situation. Because I, I hate watching the news. The news is so negative for the past. It's always been that way, but it's more so right now with everything that's going on. Have you ever seen the opinions um, of law enforcement and how they feel towards chokes being? I have not. Okay. Yeah. I, I've seen how Henry Gracie's opinion, but <laughs> Henry Gracie... You could be like, well, I have stage four pancreatic cancer. And he's like, jujitsu, it will cure your cancer. <laughs> you will choke your cancer unconscious. It's like, you ask that guy, what's the answer to anything? It's jujitsu. So I don't take, I take anything he says regarding this right. with a, a huge dollop of salt. I'd be interested. And I know we don't have a very big listenership, but if, if, if there are any law enforcement officers out there, um, what are your thoughts on on uh, i guess eliminating chokes um your 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 opinion your standpoint because obviously you're you're doing the shit <laughs> you know that's and that's that's a tough one cuz if i if i was a law enforcement officer i would 100% i would say no i want to be able to use chokes unequivocally like i would but in me being objective and not being a law enforcement officer i'm like well i'm probably not experienced enough to actually apply chokes because right. all those years of wrestling didn't teach me when to stop a choke. I mean, I, I had, what was it? It was so, I'm trying to remember 20, 23, 22 years of wrestling and then four or five years of jujitsu. Like that wasn't, that's not enough. Like, I don't know when to stop a choke. I just stop when the person taps. Right. Yeah. Or, or I feel them go limp. But like I said, I think when someone is going limp, that's, it's it's already too late at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Be- because yeah, if if you're if you're in a situation in a gym and everyone has signed a waiver and they've been training jujitsu and they're like reasonably competent athletes, that's that's one thing. But you don't you don't know what sort of issues someone that you you come across in, you know out on the streets gonna have. Like they might have some sort of heart defect. They might have um, some sort of breathing problem. And then you you, you think you're doing something that is perfectly safe and again you know 99% of the population it would be safe and then you just take their life you hope that doesn't happen because then yeah speaking of going limp did you watch (laughs) uh, Figueredo Joe B and and, and speaking going limp we are sponsored by (laughs) by Viagra the little blue pill (laughs) no speaking of going limp did you get a Did you get a chance to watch the la, the card uh, Saturday? The Figueredo Joe B fight. I did. That 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 was the only only fight that I, I did watch. It was uh, Joe B versus Figueredo. See, um, I watch. I watch. I always watch the, even the early early prelims, and whenever possible, I watch, watch them from beginning to end. I just love, I because I, I that's the only way I'll know, and I don't always remember their names, but that's the only way I'll know like the up and comers and what they're good at, what they suck at, and but anyway, Joe B Figueredo, holy shit. That was scary to watch. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think either one of us expected Benavides to win. I mean, yeah. Um, you know, we, we talked about it on the, the last podcast, and you know, we kind of said based on on how the last fight went, and I and, it, and it's tough. I mean, with, with Benavides, he's at the age, particularly being in the one twenty five division. It's just like time is not his friend. He's getting older and slower you know, every, every month of the year. So it's like, it probably wasn't going to go better than the last fight. I didn't expect it to go that badly that quickly for him though, to be honest. 
I, I'm more, I'm more surprised. And, and and man, I saw the post fight interview and he, and and how he explained it, so I I wouldn't do it justice. But he said I, I'm not a quitter, and that's that's why I didn't tap, you know. And that and that was that was nice to hear. It was it was it was sad to hear, you know, him saying all this stuff, teary eyed, and like, and and the, and he has the same mindset. Like, so one one of my bold predictions last week was like he was going to retire, and I think someone asked him, "Hey, are you going to retire?" and He's like, no, I'm, I'm not a quitter. I, I, I want to win one more fight before I hang it up. So I think, you know, he's probably going to fight. Whoever he fights next, they're going to feed him. The, the UFC is going to do what the UFC does and put him against a tough matchup where he's yeah. got a, the, where he's the likelihood of him actually winning or maybe maybe someone dangerous. What do you, what do you think he's going to... So, okay, so, okay, so there's a couple things with that. I mean, yeah, he, he's a, he is at the point where any of the top contenders are going to be difficult for him because unlike heavyweight or 205, like everybody at 125 is an excellent athlete. Right. They're all fast. They're all strong. You know, if you're a guy that size, there's, there's not that many pro sports you can go into. So like they are getting some of the best athletes of that, that size racehorse jockey. <laughs> I think he, I think you might have to be a little bit smaller. Oh, yeah. Maybe if, uh, <laughs> The uh, sorry, I just, I just, I just had a, a vision when you said that of, of Henry Cejudo as a racehorse jockey <laughs> with just like quadruple C. You just exactly uh, triple C wins the triple crown. <laughs> now I'm well, now I'm oct- octuple C. I just fucking hate just that this, guy. this little body and a giant head on top of a horse. <laughs> fucking Farquad. He's a Hispanic Farquad. I hate that guy. I liked him when he was. When he was up and coming, I liked him. When he's a contender, he had a little more humility to him. But his his thing, man, his triple C cringe thing. I oh God, I want to punch him. But all, all I was trying to get at is part of the reasons you know everyone's like talks about. Oh my God, the heavyweights can be successful so much older. You know, wow, this guy is pushing forty and he's still a successful heavyweight. I'm like, that's because none of them were like fast or explosive to begin with, like. You know, you you maintain your strength like well into your forties, but your quickness and your explosiveness gets goes really fast. And heavyweight, when like they're not great athletes and their games aren't based on that, you can kind of get away with it and still be successful. But at one twenty five, I mean, particularly for a guy like Joe B, who his striking was so much dictated by those blitzing attacks and being faster and more explosive than his opponent. Like, when, you know, he's mid thirties and he's lost a couple steps and he's, it's like, you just can't keep competing at the same level. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, you're right. Like the UFC does usually take guys like that and then try to build a younger, um, more, you know, exciting star off of that older guy's name. Yeah. B- but <laughs> here's the flip side. When has the UFC ever tried to build anyone up in 125? Like ever. Well, again, the 125 division is is a different monster because because of the history of it. I mean, Demetrius Johnson was dominant for so long. There was, it's you know, there was just no one that can touch the guy. And then when he finally lost, that's why I think it's exciting right now because Figueredo. So it was it was Demetrius Johnson was the champ for so long, and then he lost mm-hmm. to Cejudo. Cejudo uh, vacates 25 to go fight 35, gets that belt. Um, but so he retires. Now 125 is wide open, and they finally have, in my opinion, they have a champion that is uh, just scary. 
You know, you can you mm-hmm. you, you, you just what is he eight nineteen and one now? I think. Yeah, you think he's nineteen and one. And uh, and he's a knockout artist, and and <laughs> the dude's from like the middle of boonies nowhere, Brazil, like in the jungle somewhere. So his dude, dude, he was a hairdresser and a sushi chef before he went full time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's a, that's amazing. He, he's scary, man. He's he's a scary little. He's a scary little. Ho- hopefully not in the same establishment, like the the little Brazilian. Uh, you you get you get your your haircut and sushi all at the <laughs> one stop shop, not, dude. Why not? He probably does his training there too. He probably cuts hairs, makes sushi, and <laughs> does his jujitsu training and all that shit. No, same same place. Um, I mean, so basically, what I was saying, maybe maybe it'll change because it seems like they have committed to keeping flyweight around. I mean, because for the longest time it was on the chopping block, they were just slowly cutting fighters and sort of phasing the division out. Maybe it's back. But what I was saying is like the UFC has never promoted the flyweight division like ever so i i wouldn't be that confident that all the same rules apply as far as giving benavidez a fight like maybe they do just give him one fight so he can ride off into the sunset and they don't try to cannibalize his fame um because that's the other thing like he's not that famous like nobody no ca- like very few casual mma fans know who joseph benavidez is no 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 you have to i mean the the the, the good the good mma fans know him from wec and beyond so a lot of the casuals don't. Again, I think it's more of I think it's more the nature of that weight class that there was such a big dominant dude that, that none of those guys got shine. Even though those fights are exciting as fuck, I I want to see and it looks like uh, the you know, the little Twitter back and forth. I don't know how how many tweets, but uh, it looks like uh, babyface assassin Brandon Moreno is uh, vying for a crack at it, and I think he might be ranked number one or number two in that division behind uh, or. With behind Joe B, and I like him. I like Babyface Assassin Brandon Moreno, but I don't know. <laughs> I think he takes a lot of punches and takes a lot of damage, so I don't know how he'd fare with Figueredo. Figueredo is just a fucking mauler. I would have liked to see Figueredo against Cejudo. Obviously, Cejudo's retired. I would like to see Figueredo against uh, against um, Demetrius somehow if that can happen. Uh, it seems unlikely because they're in different right. different promotions. No, I'm just I, saying Fantasyland. I hope they just start actually promoting and building the division because to me this this is this is the thing that sort of like blows my mind a little bit people are like oh my god like one you know 135 is like such an exciting division it's stacked with killers like they're so great but no no no, like 125 those guys are too small and they can't hit i'm like it's not i mean i I guess 10 pounds at that you know that size is much bigger of a difference but like yeah there's 125 could be just as big for them as 135 if they actually went out and got the talent, brought it in, stacked the division, and promoted it. And, like, those guys are out there. But let's face it, too. Let's face it, too. Nowadays, especially the last four, five, six years, four or five years, it's about stardom. They have to have a star. They have to have someone that can talk a little shit. It's it's unfortunate. Uh, Demetrius Johnson was not that. Demetrius Johnson was vanilla, and he didn't mind that. That was just who he, it was. Who he was. He wasn't trying to be some somebody that he wasn't. I think for the UFC to promote 125, there needs to be something about either the champion or the contenders. You know that. Yeah, I remember Lineker was kind of he was uh, you know struggling at 135, and then 125 was bouncing breath. He had a little bit of that going towards him, a little bit of the bad guy knockout artist. You know. Um, rep mm-hmm. to him. I think. I think again. If if the if if Figueredo can play, and he's got to be genuine first and foremost. 
But if Figueredo can somehow be genuine and still continue that mean kind of finisher type of mystique to him, I think it'll be better for it'll be easier for the UFC to market him because they want money. It's not even about skill and fights anymore half the time. But that's what it comes down to. I think it is on the UFC to to market these guys and. In the past, it's like the UFC sort of had like one move. It's like, oh, this guy's a devastating fighter. He destroys people. He's a knockout artist. And they didn't really know what to do with the flyweight division where everyone is so good that you didn't you didn't see these stupid slugfests where two guys were just standing there toe-to-toe, hitting each other in the face as hard as they could. It's like – and really, really part of it, I think, was the UFC doing a bad job promoting the division and explaining what was happening – and part of it was maybe the fan base just wasn't ready for that. And, it, and it, it came down to the fan base having to catch up to the level that the vision was at. So so maybe maybe now's the time. Maybe, like you said, the division's a little bit more open. There's a new, new champion that, that is more traditionally exciting because you can knock people out. Um, and and hopefully the UFC can actually make something of this and keep the division around because like I said I, I think it could be every bit as exciting as 135 you know as, as bantamweight is. I liked watching the earlier the, the I say earlier because there's the obviously WEC but I'm talking about the 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 UFC earlier UFC days of uh, 125 where the 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 promotion was these guys are the fastest te- most technically crazy guys out there i used to like watching ian mccall fight i used to like watching demetrius johnson fight even though you know some of his fights were his tactics were a little bit sleepers i guess he finished guys though he finished guys though uh, he, he, uh-huh he finished henry suhuru the greatest combat athlete of all time <laughs> <laughs> in the first fucking round so all right, we, we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, but I'll, I'll circle back briefly. I'll try not to go on as long of a tangent, but it drives me nuts when people talk about Demetrius Johnson in terms of like the greatest fighters of all time, and they say stuff like, well, yeah, but his competition wasn't as good. It's the same competition. Like, what the fuck are they talking about? Well, there, so, so that, that usually comes up um, when they're talking about him compared to John Jones. And they're being like, well, yeah, John Jones fought much better fighters. And and I'm like, no, no, stop. Fucking stop it. You are confusing how famous a fighter is with how good a fighter is. Those are two different things. Like, like Shogun was way more famous than um I'm trying I'm trying to think of uh than when jo- Joseph Benavides was when when DJ fought him than Ian McCall was. Shogun was a lot more famous. But was he nearly as good of a fighter? No, mm-hmm. not even fucking close. And no disrespect to Shogun, but <laughs> it, like when John Jones fought him, first of all, he was old, and second of all, just in terms of athletic ability and technique, he's just not even in the same ballpark. <laughs> but it's like, but he's like, he's like, a, yeah, <laughs> no disrespect to Shogun, you just fucking terrible, bro. No, I, I, when, when I think when I think when I think of Shogun, it's it's like. To me, it's like the last hope for dad bod to be a good thing to, in MMA. Like that, like the guy's never been ripped. You know, he's just been. But he, but he's, you know, he's strong. Dude, what, are, what are you, what are you talking? The last hope for dad bod in MMA. It's coming in in uh, in August. Who's that? Daniel Cormier oh. versus Stipe Miocic trilogy. The Daniel Cormier is the daddest man on the planet. Yeah. Okay. I, 
outside of okay sorry i was thinking about more legacy um, fighters like that yeah don't just don't Fedor, disrespect DC's Fedor belly. Had bod. Fedor Emelianenko had that. That guy didn't have like this crazy physique. He was just kind of, eh. Um. So, but yeah, it's not. Well, and that's that's, that's another thing. Do you do you ever see guys at 125 who are just like carrying around like a little bit of extra no. chub and they're just no no no. Can, can, can you can you get away with that at 125? Maybe that's what no, they need. I don't think maybe so. that's what they need for them to be exciting. Maybe maybe hashtag make dad bod great again. Maybe they got to get just, a 125 or that has a dad bod going just for a little little, little little roly poly guy with a belly like a little uh, Roy Nelson like a. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you can market the fuck out of this guy. But that's that kind of goes back to my point is like that sort of stuff you just cannot get away with. You have to be at your peak physical condition because right. you're going to be going full blast for 25 minutes. It, you don't you don't get to you don't get to pull the heavyweight 205 move of like all right, I'm going to like throw two punches. Now I'm just going to kind of like chill for 20 yeah. seconds. Now I'm going to throw two punches. Okay, this guy can't dodge, so I knocked him out. Yay, I'm the greatest ever. Like, it's just a whole different world down there. And um, there's a big difference between being famous, where there are a lot of very famous fighters at heavyweight and 205, guys who do a great job promoting their fights, who are, who are spectacular, quote-unquote, warriors. But if you're talking about them in terms of martial arts and athletic ability – it, it it drives me nuts when when you downgrade the 125 you know flyweights who are like lightning fast yeah. and super technical and have this huge bag of tricks and like you just don't see anything I I was gonna say you don't see anything like that the only thing that you see you guy you see who's sort of approaching that realm at 205 is John Jones yeah he actually had a skill set in every area of martial arts and. Do I think he was as proficient as a guy like DJ? No, but that's why he, to me, is the undisputed greatest 205er of all time. But let's not let's not put all the people that he fought in the same category. You're right about it being a level of fame and why people recognize John Jones because he is. It's not. I wouldn't even use the term famous. I would say infamous for all the off-screen, off. Uh, Stuff he does outside of the fights that makes him like a, that much more intriguing, a little bit more of a bad guy. Um, if he, because you know he's got that tattoo on his chest says Philippians. If he really, really was like goody goody two shoes and was doing all this extra stuff, uh, volunteering time for churches, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and had zero marks in his um, outside of the ring um, career, maybe two hundred five would be in the same level that 125 was maybe 205 would be like yeah it's boring you got this guy that's just destroying everybody and he's a you know boring goody goody two shoes you know i mean sort of you know outside of the dc head kick when he was on steroids allegedly (laughs) um like when (laughs) allegedly when's the last time john jones knocked somebody out I don't know. I, I don't. I, I don't. I dislike John Jones, so I don't know his fights. But he's he's got some knockouts, right? He's got some. He's got some submissions for sure. Mm, yeah, you have to go all the way back to like Shogun and Machida. Yeah, that's that's a long while back. Yeah, the last the last few fights, he's walked out of the ring scathed. Like people have dinged him mm, up. Uh, sure. You know that there's there's that one. I forget who he fought where his his toe was like hanging on. Like barely hanging on his foot, and he like. All right, 
I'm gonna let me let me let me leave you guys with this. This is this is an unpopular opinion, and let's let's just do a quick uh, wrap up on on Whitaker Till and and call it a podcast. But I I always preface this saying like I I, I love watching Alexander Gustafsson fight. I think he's he is a great fighter in terms of his spirit and his um you know his his energy that he brings to the cage. Do I think he is a great fighter in terms of technical and athletic ability for mixed martial arts? No, I do not. Because um, because if you really break him down, he was a boxer with good takedown defense, and that was about it. Like you never you would never in your world your life see him throw a kick. Um, he wasn't that great defensively, which is part of what made him exciting to watch. Because he you know he would hit the guys. But like Daniel Cormier, who I think also you could say he's not like a, a polished boxer, was able to land pretty much on, on Will at Gustafsson and they had this great back and forth war. It was a fun fight to watch. But you know, if you so if, if you had a, a guy at 125 who was tall, but he was not he wasn't very fast and he wasn't very strong, didn't have like one punch knockout power. He was just a boxer with not very good defense and could be you know hit pretty much at will at their opponent. And had good takedown defense, but if you got him down, then he was very susceptible to submissions. That guy would get run out of the UFC, you know, before you'd even know who he was. Because he would lose his first two or three fights just in embarrassing fashion, and then he would get cut. Yeah, you're right like about that's that. Yeah, you're, you're... kind of the reality of it. I mean... So so again, like I don't, I'm not trying to. I'm I'm th- thrilled that Gus is coming back and he's going to have a fight at a at heavyweight against uh, Fabricio Verdum, who's a madman. But I again, I just don't think he's at the level of those flyweights. I look at both those. Um, I guess if you want to call them uh, co-headliners, they're not co-headliners, <clears throat> but like Shogun and Little Nog, and then. Shogun against Lil Nog and then Verdum against Gustafsson. I think mm-hmm. I think these are like like the old guard. Like I see these four. Well, maybe not so much Gustafsson, but but the other, the other three, they're like, you know, they're 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 like they're they're getting there in age, man. They're they're climbing there. I mean, and again, something that you can only do at two hundred five and heavyweight. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because at two hundred five and at heavyweight. <clears throat> You can still kind of getting away, you get away with being a specialist in, in specific technique skill. You're still well rounded, but um, I mean, like Verdum, everybody knows Verdum is a fucking uh, a jujitsu specialist. Um, you know, uh, Big Nog when he was fighting, it's like he's a jujitsu guy with decent boxing. You know, that that there's there's they're they're nowhere near as like polished and well rounded everywhere like the the lighter weight classes, one twenty five, one thirty five, one forty five. Um, you can get away with being like, like, look at the uh, Francis Ngannou. I love the guy, but he's a he's a knockout guy, right? He's not. Well, and, and, okay. he's not submit and, somebody. and see, that's that's a great example, and that's what makes Ngannou special. It's like he actually is a legitimately great athlete. Like, and it's hard to say is is he is he like an elite athlete? I don't know where he he compares to someone his size who's like in the NFL and is, is a, a phenomenal athlete. But he he is just a legitimately undeniable good athlete. So he could he could train mixed martial arts for th- what three years and then be fighting for the heavyweight belt. That doesn't that doesn't happen in lower weight classes. It's not like oh you're a great athlete. So then you you and with no combat you know martial arts experience you start training and you're fighting for a belt in three years. It just it can't it cannot happen. Yeah. 
Yeah. But there's just not that many truly like great athletes. I, I, I was going to say not that many. I mean, I don't think there's any. Um, I mean, I think it, it, it goes um, in Ganu, and then you take a, a big step down to like like a, a Blades, and then you take a step down from that to Stipe, and then there's everybody else. Yeah. We 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 are going to get to see some some old guys fight um, this is coming uh, weekend you know in, in Whitaker Till and then we also we got Whitaker Till some yeah some um, fresh guys who are, are hopefully in their prime. Uh, what do you think is going to happen in that fight? Well, Whitaker's coming off a layoff. He he had to take himself. He gave, gave himself a little mental vacation from the sport, and I think he was still training and what have you. But when he lost his belt to Adesanya, it was like I I need some time. Um, mm-hmm. there's always that thing, um, that's saying the ring rust exists. I, I don't think it exists. I think that's kind of more of a, an excuse for guys that, um, that haven't sh- been sharp during their time off. So I don't, I, okay. So this is going <laughs> to sound really bad. I've always thought Whitaker was really good. I just, even when he was champion, I never thought he was like that good, like champion good. I, I just, I like I really like him. He's one of my he's my one of he's probably the favorite my favorite guy in that weight class, but I still don't I, mm-hmm. I just never really saw him as like like that's the champion. So I don't know. And then Tills fought at 70. He was always a big 70. He's only had one fight at 185. Which way is it going to go? I think Tills a little sharper. I don't know. I I don't know what Whitaker's been doing. I I don't know to to with certain um I imagine he's been training, but I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe his, his. I don't know. It could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. I just, I, I think I'm leaning towards Till on that fight, if I had to choose. Kind of, kind of breaking it down. Um, Till, Till has always been a little bit more of a counterfighter, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's why everybody was so excited for for Till versus Wonder Boy. Um, and then, but they're both sort of counterfighters, and they just stood there yeah. and looked at each other. Sleeper. And everyone's like, "What the what the, what the fuck?" Oh, like, the fest. So so, yeah, two two strikers doesn't automatically equal for an exciting fight. But Whitaker has in the past been a more attacking sort of blitzing right. fighter, um, which is what got him into trouble against Adesanya because Adesanya is is. At least at that weight class right now is the best counter puncher right. in in the whole division, and it was like, well, he tried that just at the wrong time with the wrong timing, and that did not go so for, well for him, and and you know he was unconscious. But I, so it, it it does potentially have the makings for an exciting stylistic matchup. I just wonder if Whitaker is going to change anything up after that Adesanya loss, if he's going to have a different he, approach. He's going to have to have, because if you look at, like, even when you look at Adesanya and Anderson, both those guys are known counter-strikers. Like, they, they, mm-hmm. they get their little flurries here and there, but they, they're they're better at reacting and, and then just picking a spot. And and you're right, with the Whitaker Adesanya fight, the same. It played out like everyone kind of thought it was going to happen. I was rooting for Whitaker, by the way. I, I just, Adesanya kind of drives me nuts. He's good. Did he learn? Did he evolve? Did he pick up how to, I guess, properly apply pressure towards a counter puncher and not put yourself in too much danger of those counter attacks? Um, yeah, well, it's, it's interesting. Like, he had to fight the most dangerous counterpuncher right. that I think's ever been in that division twice in Romero. And part of what made him really exciting fights was 
he was able to evade the counters like 98% of the time. And then the 2% that he didn't, Mm -hmm. it was like, oh, you're about to go unconscious. Like Romero runs a crazy strike. Like, wow, this goes really, really bad. I don't, I don't know if Till is quite as dangerous as, as a Romero. I, I would say probably not. Um, but I think I think Whitaker lost a second fight against Yoel, even though it, debatable, yeah. You know, so I I think it is a it's still so yeah he's he's had experience fighting some crazy counter strikers. You know, is it, it did he learn enough by now to like again? I, I just don't know. Like he's coming off a long layoff. Well, I just don't know that he's brushed up. Th- this is this is what I hope. I hope there's two things. I, I really like Robert Whitaker, like. I love um, I love his responses when people try to like shit talk yeah. him, and he's just like, "I don't know what you're talking about, mate." Like, yeah. you, you know, he's just he's just seems very good natured. It's like one like he had to go through a lot of shit. Yeah. I mean, first first he had to fight Yoel Romero twice. I mean, I think that's just gonna, yeah. that's gonna take some years off of anybody's life. Um, then, but then on top of that, like he also had a bunch of injuries, like, and some of them were like weird things. Like he was supposed to, I don't remember who he was supposed to fight, but then he had some sort of problem with like his intestines and they had to do like an intestinal surgery. Like that's not small potatoes. He also had to deal with all those crazy fires out there. Remember those fires in Australia? Well, then there was personal stuff. I I can't remember if it was his, his, his daughter was really sick. I think, I think she had, she, she had some sort of cancer and the rumor was he, he needed to pull out of a fight because he was going to be a, a bone marrow donor for his daughter. Hmm. Like that's just a lot yeah. of shit to go through. So I'm, I'm hoping that one, the, the time off was just sort of good for him. I mean, just to kind of be um, a mental refresher because ring rust is not, I don't, I think you're correct that it's not a physical thing. It's really a mental thing. And when guys like Dominic Cruz say the ring rust doesn't exist, he's like, well, my mind is so strong that I'm not going to let it get dragged down. But it's like he might almost have that reverse effect where he was he was the rust wasn't from absence. It was from just too much having to deal with too much and just mentally it took its toll. But the second thing is like, I hope we can see finally uh, see Whitaker using his entire skill set because we've never seen it. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? Um, I've you know he's I've seen a lot of his box. He's got some pretty crisp boxing. I don't know what other skills you're talking about. Oh, oh, so, so he's 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 got good kickboxing, but I think I think we've learned like oh like he's not the greatest kickboxer out there. I, th- I mean I think this is what I'm hoping's happened. He he's like okay wow I fought Adesanya, and he's just a better kickboxer than me. So if I want to be champion, I need to be better than him, and. You know, he also got KO'd by Wonder Boy. Like he got there's be, there's there's potentially better strikers out there than than Whitaker right now, and he's a he's a phenomenal grappler. Like he he has the off. He's not he's not like a Augustuson who's just a got some takedown defense and that it and that's it. Like he's an all around very good grappler. Um, reportedly, where like he could have gone to the Olympics for. Uh, for for Australia, like, and he he's entered grappling tournaments and done very well, mm. but he's I think particularly at 185, he's just like, well, I'm a better striker than everyone, so I just don't need to use that. But I mean, did, did you see him um, when he fought Jacare? I did. I, I'll just to, I mean, I don't know if you remember that, but like Jacare had him in trouble, and Whitaker was like, okay, I'm just gonna very calmly defend all this, and then now I'm out, and now I'm back to my feet, like no problem. Like 
anybody else in the division that's probably fight over Jacare so wins. Do you, so you think Whitaker's answer to beating Till is going to be a, a somehow ground game or jujitsu? That's that's his his method of victory. I hope he incorporates that because he's not he's not even it's not even just jujitsu. Like he's a good wrestler. He's a good uh, jujitsu player. And I think anytime you incorporate all of that, you suddenly become so much more dangerous, even for your striking, mm-hmm. right? Because you've seen that all the time when it's a striker versus someone who can also grapple. And like maybe, you know, so, so great example, Conor McGregor versus Khabib. Like Conor is a much better striker than Khabib, like world's better. And if it's purely a striking match, Conor, I think, would just tune him up. Yeah. But he had to be so concerned about the takedown. He had to be... Worried about that, it caused his hands to drop a little bit lower. And then when they when they fought, Khabib just fucking clocked him, landed the best punch of the fight because there was that added threat of the takedown, and it was one more thing for Connor to worry about. And it's like if if Whitaker is able to introduce that dynamic into his game, and all of a sudden people have to worry about getting taken down, him, you know, him initiating the ground game. And he can use that you know skill set to set up his striking. All of a sudden, that that gap between him and Adesanya might go from um, being lopsided to either non-existent or or Whitaker being um, out out in front because he he really is a threat as a grappler. I, I believe. Is it going to come into play on Saturday though? I don't know, and that's that's, that's where I'm kind of hoping that time off change of perspective, and, and then possibly the the loss to uh, Adesanya is just sort of a wake up call. And he's like, you know what, like I gotta I gotta change this up. I, I, I'm gonna say what I always say in these kinds of like crazy fifty fifty matchups. I'm rooting for Whitaker, but I think Till's gonna win. I do this a lot. I were like I'm rooting for the for the one guy, but I think the other guy's gonna win. If I'm gonna bet, I think I'm I'm betting Darren Till. I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with. Whitaker, because I because I think he's the better athlete, and I think he's the better all around mixed martial mixed martial artist, and I'm hoping that he has the the wisdom um, and sort of foresight to to actually let his game expand and, and like kind of take it you know take take that setback as a chance to evolve, and um, I, I I always I always bet on guys to to improve themselves and do better. Not to 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 kind of crumble. So that's that's the bet the bet that I'm placing. And just just to actually back that up, because I, I was I was like, is is Whitaker really as good of a a uh, a grappler as I, as I thought? Like he, t- he in the 2007 Australia Commonwealth uh, Team Trials, he he was the gold medalist at 97 kilograms. Pretty good. Yeah, like so. I mean, he's he's. Granted, like, is Aust- wrestling in Australia as good as, you know, Russia or the U.S.? No, but that's nothing he, to Yeah, to but then, then if, if I were, t- if I were uh, Whitaker's coach, I would tell him, hey, dude, you have to incorporate your grappling more than you are doing. And he does. I mean, he's got some good takedown uh, defense and all this stuff, but make it more of an attacking threat. Yeah, Submit somebody. For sure. I mean, Submit till. Let's see. Or just, I mean, and at 185, just just putting a guy that big on their back and getting some ground and pound in is huge, huge. Well, I mean, both these guys are 170s that came up to 185. If if you're free, I don't know if you remember that Whitaker was a 170 for a while. Sorta of. Whitaker, he he he's a guy that could make 170, but he he's a 185er. Yeah. Well, both these guys, I, I think both these guys are big. Like he's 
He's not. He's and that's that was sort of one of the weird things. There's a lot of guys who are at 185 that really should have probably been fighting at 205, and then you had you had guys um, at 170 who I mean he's just. I, I think I think Whitaker is really just too too big for 170, and um, that that's one where where I have a little bit of knowledge because that would be that would probably be my weight class if I fought in the UFC. It would be difficult for me to get down. To 170, but I, I I could reasonably do it, so I can just kind of base guys. I'm like, oh, like how much bigger than than me are these guys? <laughs> and like, if they're a lot bigger, I'm like, fuck, that will be incredibly difficult to get down. So I think Whitaker, um, Whitaker's the same height as me. He might be a little bit shorter, uh, but when I just see him, like he's physically thicker. Like his his lower legs are a lot thicker. Like he's his. Um, I mean, I, I have like like broad shoulders but i'm not i'm not a little little fire hydrant and when you see when you see him when he actually put the weight back on to fight 185 i'm like yeah he's he's a big boy yeah till till has um, these wide shoulders too though big wide yeah on till till's another one i mean he was <laughs> on one of his weight cuts to make 170 he fucking went blind well, that's not normal he is like it's it's, it's so, so Sounds kind of funny. I'm like, yeah, that that's probably your body telling you, fucking stop it. Don't do not do this. Like we're about to die. Fucking maniac. So so yeah, I mean, both of them were guys that was like like physically possible for them to make 170, sort of, but I don't think it was a good idea. But but you're you're right. I, I, between the two of them, um, Whitaker is definitely the, the the smaller of the two. He's a guy that could like physically make 170. But I think when he looked at it, he's like, huh, it's really hard for me to make it. And the guys at 170 are a lot better than the guys at 185. <laughs> let me just let me just like fight at a weight class that's comfortable and um you know not ha- not have to deal with the fucking murderers at 170. Easy done. And he could take a shot too. He's not like he's a just a chump going moving up and fighting slower, uh, bigger, slower guys. He's he can take a shot too, so he has taken shots. <laughs> I mean, he, he took Yoel Romero's best shot and kept going, sort of somehow. It seems like every fight at 185, he's gotten his ass, his bell rung, and just hung in there, recovered. So let me. This is actually just to kind of give you a, a, an idea. These these were like two of the 185 pounders that that I've come into too close physical contact with, where I was where um, the, the one. Do you know who Ian Heinish is? Yeah, he's got that hair lip thing. Yeah, um, big shoulders, and, big broad shoulders. Sh- sure, oh, and, and he he's he's top fifteen now. Like good for him. I hope he does really well. And he's he's a guy that I've actually like had rounds with, um, not not striking grappling rounds with. And I remember when I first saw him, I was like, I'm like, oh, like this is a pretty like big guy, but he's shorter than me. He's definitely thick, but like he's not that big. Like he's about my size. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, granted, I bet he walks around at probably like 15, 20 pounds heavier than I do. But in my mind, he was my size, and then I, I, mm. I crossed paths with Tiago Santos. Um, just, just we, we were both getting food at the same place, and I saw him, and I was like, "Holy fucking shit! <laughs> I would have to be, I would have to cut down to one seventy, because uh, that, that's when he was still fighting. Um, he was still fighting one eighty five, and he he seemed so big to me. I was like, I, I would not want to try to. I mean. You know, maybe in a straight grappling scenario, I was like, ah, maybe I could do all right with him, but I would never want to 
have to grapple with that guy and then miss a takedown and get punched in the face. Fuck that. He was so big. <laughs> uh, so that's that's why when I saw him go up to, to 205, I'm like, yes. Like, why have you been... Why have you been killing yourself to get down to 185 when everyone's so much worse at 205 and you could instantly, you know, become a, a title contender? Fucking idiots. You pussy. He was the one guy. I didn't even want to, because I knew he didn't really speak English. Like, I didn't even want to go over to say hi to him. I was like, I was like, one, I don't, I'm, what am I going to, I don't know how to speak Portuguese, so that that's not gonna go well. And he, he was he was just getting salad at a salad bar. I'm like, I fuck it, I don't even. Like it. I pass. That 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 was the that was the most action packed trip to a Whole Foods I've ever seen in my life. Um, I don't know why. Like maybe I'll tell this story another time. But this is literally how how the the um, the trip goes. I walk in. You know how in like Whole Foods it's the produce section first. Uh huh. So I'm in the produce section and I and I see this like this brunette and she's wearing like super high high heels and she's got like skin tight leather and everything and I'm thinking to myself like why why is there a prostitute in the the produce section of Whole Foods and I look closer I'm like wait that's not a prostitute that's Conor McGregor's girlfriend oh shit <laughs> like that's that's D Devlin and I look around I'm like oh fuck like. There's Connor, there's Connor McGregor. Like, they're both right there. Crazy. Wow. So then, in my mind, I was like, well, I, I definitely want to go over and talk to Connor, but this was like, um, I guess this was like, was it Thursday or Friday? It, it was, it was, it was right, it was still before the Waynes. It was basically like the day before the Waynes when he was going to fight Aldo. And I, I, I have a, a intimate experience with that cut to 145 because when I was a sophomore in high school for three months, I had a cut to 145. And for me oh, shit. At, at that time at that, yeah, at that time I was like the same height that you knew me, you knew me as. And I have, I definitely wasn't as muscle, you know, as well uh, muscled or as thick, but I was cutting like 15 to 17 pounds just on a rolling basis to get down there. And it was just miserable and it was stupid. And I wish I never did it. But so like, I'm like thinking like, fuck, like I don't want to go bother Connor yeah. when he's in the middle of a weight cut. Like he just had to do the stupid bullshit UFC promotion stuff. Like he's just trying to get food. It just seems like a safe place. Like I'm looking around, like no one's like mobbing him. Doesn't, they don't recognize him. Like I want to say hi, but I don't want to bother him. So what I'm going to do is I will go and ask his girlfriend if it's okay if I ask for a picture. So, like, I just, like, walk up to her. I'm like, hey, like, I don't want to bother Connor during the weight cut. But, I mean, you think it would be uh, an inconvenience if I just said hi. And, like, she seemed really confused that, like, I'd addressed her one by, like, like I knew who she was. And I was, like, respectfully asking to talk to Connor. She just had this, like, what the fuck is happening? Why is this guy talking to me thing? Um, and then the second thing I learned was if you want to get Conor McGregor's attention, at least I don't know about now, but at least at that point in his life, the absolute number one thing you had to do was just go start like talking to his girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said like that first sentence and he just like, like instantly appeared like he was a genie summoned out of a bottle. He's like, Hey, what's going on? Why are you, why are you talking to my why are you lady, talking to bitch? <laughs> and then, yeah, I just, I just, you know, had a nice little conversation. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to bother you. During a weight cut, I'm like, I've had to make that cut to 145. It's fucking miserable. And he's like, he was, and it was weird. Like he was so just zoned and calm. And like, I I mean, 
just completely different than his his onstage persona. I don't know if he's he's like that normally or if it was just something about that Aldo fight where he was just so keyed in. But he was super, super calm. Like, I talked to him about uh, just basically, I remember saying, like, it was just a pleasure to have watched him set that whole thing up in terms of promotion. And, and uh, you know, just wish them the, the best of luck. And then it was funny. The funniest part was, like, I... I didn't even want to ask for a picture, and then he and he kind of could tell that I wanted one. And he's like, "Sure, sure, we we can take a picture." And I'm I was like fumbling around with the camera because I don't I don't think I was nervous. I just I don't take selfies, so I wasn't like used to manipulating the camera. And like he just like took the camera and took like the most perfect like selfie I've ever had in my life. Um, he's done it a couple times, I'm sure. A co- yeah, a couple couple thousand, I would guess. Dude, I've never seen you. I've never seen you gush like this over anybody ever. <laughs> I'm surprised. Well, so that wasn't, but it was just this whole experience. I, I was part of the reason why it went well is when I was talking to him, I was, I was like completely calm and I wasn't gushing. And I was just, I was like, Oh, like, no, that was the thing. Like he, I think he, he, cause he talked to me for like five or six minutes and it was just like, Oh, this is just like a normal conversation with someone. It's not some like f- fan that was getting in his grill. Um, cause he actually wasn't the, the, even the person in his, his little crew there that I wanted to talk to the most. I want, Ido, fucking Ido Sensei Ido Portal, the, the, he was there. I'm like, I want to go talk to him because I was, I was still fresh off of like coaching and I wanted to like pick his brain about what he's doing. So like I go leave Conor McGregor and I go talk to Ido Portal. I'm like, okay, but like, does this functionally work? And we had this whole long back and forth. Um, and then, and that, that was like, for me, that was the most fun conversation of the whole thing. Did, and did you give Connor your phone number? No, I did post. <laughs> I did post the photo onto Instagram, and then he liked it. And then I got all kinds of random fucking Conor McGregor people, like just because I hashtagged it, or no, just, I guess just because he liked it, they could yeah. see that he liked the photo. And then they were like all like coming in my feed, like, "How did you meet Conor?" Blah blah blah. I was like, "Jesus Christ, guys, calm down. This is this is why you nobody would talk to you." Um, and so anyhow, I talked to to Ido Portal. And then I'm like working my way around to Whole Foods to like the prepared food section. And uh, shoot, who I can try to remember her name now. She, she was she was one of the the, um, the the tough fighters that was on that that all women's tough twenty. Uh, yeah, when it was like Carla Sparza and yeah, it was all the straw yeah. weights. Oh, what was her name? What she looked like? I, I, she 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 fought out of Vegas. Um, she's like like dirty blonde hair. Uh, Ashley Yoder, I, I think. I, no, Yoder's out of like. No, 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 no. Before that, Yoder was a whole completely different season. Yoder was was when it was Gadelia and Joanna Yanjacek. I'm talking about the one when it was like Rose Namajunas and Carlos Barza. That was all the same one, dude. It was certainly not. You were incorrect. Ultimate Fighter, Ultimate Fighter 20 was when Carlos Barza won the main, the whole. Yeah, I'm telling you, show. Ashley Yoder and and that whole crew. That was a completely different season. Was it? I, I thought it was I guarantee the same you, one. It okay. was not. That was like years apart. All right. Um, what was her, it? Was her shoot? What was her name? Her name started with a J. Crap, I can't remember it. Did she poo her pants? I don't. I mean, probably at some point in her life, but I don't think recently. Justine <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Quiche? No, it wasn't Justine Quiche. Um, anyhow, the, the the whole point though is like I I just talked to her about that whole tough experience because like I don't know if you remember that. It was like very like Mean Girls esque in terms of the dynamic, um, 
And like she was like it was sort of like uh, Carlos Barza and uh, Felice Herrig and like they had their little clique and they were like ostracizing people. And I remember, you know, they were like kicking people out of the rooms and stuff like that. And I, I that season I was watching so closely because I was actually like working with female college athletes and seeing some of that dynamic and like trying to figure out how to deal with it. And so I remember t- we had like a long conversation about that. Um and she she was telling me she had like PTSD from being in that house, and um, something with a J. I'm looking at the roster. It's only JoJo with a J, right? Then yes, it was it was it wasn't it wasn't JoJo. It was she was dirty blonde. See, I really Lisa Ellis. I really I, I'm a little bit colorblind, so maybe she she had brown hair. Okay. But I I don't I I don't want to be mean because. <laughs> I she was very nice when I talked to her and I, I rooted for her, but she was not one of the ones that was like one of the better fighters. She did get a contract because that if you remember that was the year where right the it winner, was they were right. they were fighting for the belt. It was like whoever won it and and they 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 were the division. Everybody in that show made it into the UFC. I can't I can't think of uh, I'm just he- Heather Joe Clark. Heather Joe Clark. That's who it okay. was. Yeah, she's not. She's not blonde. I think she's a brunette. I think I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, it was Heather. Is Heather? She was. She was very nice, and she was talking about how she was just like legit traumatized <laughs> after that experience. And she's like, she uh, she had like PTSD, and she like her facial expression when she was describing the house. I was like, fuck. Like I'm like <laughs> like I'm talking to like a Vietnam war vet who's like talking about when they were in the shit. Um, and so, so it's like, I'm like, for me though, I'm like, this is a great conversation. Cause I was like asking all these, these questions about the show that like, as I was watching the show, like, I'm like, fuck, I wonder what really happened there. Or was, was so-and-so really as big of a bitch as I thought they were. And like, and, and as, at least for, by her estimation, the, the question to whether certain people were as big of bitches was, was a resounding yes. And you don't even know the half of it. <laughs> um, and so like, then I finished walking, you know, uh, talking to her and I'm like, about ready to make my way out and there's the there's the salad bar and there's fucking Tiago Santos and I'm like I kind of like walk because ne- I just really did want to like see like how fucking big he was and I'm like holy shit big boy this dude's enormous he looks like he wants to like kill that salad bar like it looks like if he could just get like a giant fucking sledgehammer he would just <laughs> destroy that salad bar he's like I'm I'm I am angry at Salad Bar. I will eat you, but if I could smash you into pieces, that's what I would do. And I was like, you know what? He's a Brazilian Viking. I uh Yeah, that's a that's a great description. That's what it that's kind of what it felt like. And I was like, <laughs> I I know how to say obrigado, and that doesn't really that doesn't really lend to like a positive conversation. I'm gonna Bom dia. Okay, bye. <laughs> you gotta say, ooh, va mohe. Ooh, va mohe. <laughs> yes, ooh, va mohe. And then the next thing I know, I'm, I'm like, my head is where the fucking tomatoes should have been in that salad bar. <laughs> like, so I was, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna not talk to this guy. He looks really angry right now. I don't understand why. He just, like, because he, he'd won his fight. Like, he, he'd fought Elias Theodoro earlier. I'm like, um, uh, and that's that's also where I, I found a newfound appreciation for Elias Theodoro because I've also stood next to Elias and I'm like, yeah, he's like my size, just a little thicker. I'm like, wait, you fucking were in the cage for 15 minutes with like this goddamn like monster of a human? Jesus Christ, Elias! Like, 
That's that's nuts to me. But that was that was a, a highly eventful trip to a Whole Foods. Yeah. That sounds. That was a, sorry. That that was a tangent. No, but that was I my Whole Foods. Yeah, I don't story. have any cool stories like that, and nor do we have time. I think this one's gotten no. a little longer. Holy shit! You could just cut that no, out. No, I can no. tell it some other time. No, no. it's gonna stay. I'll listen to it and figure it out. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we had a lot more stuff we want to talk about, but man, we we just that that whole uh, um, should cops be able to do chokes thing took quite a bit, and and it is it is a meaty meaty conversation, and and I again, any one of you uh, law enforcement guys that may or may not be listening to this, send us uh, an email. Um, we still have yet to uh, publicly push and promote our social media stuff, but if you have listened to the uh, podcast, um, the link that we share usually has our, all of our Twitter handles and email and all that stuff at the bottom. Instagram handle. Sounds good. Th- thanks for listening this long, if, if you stuck around. Uh, it's funny, tell- and telling that story reminded me that I have like, 10 other crazier stories from that same three day weekend that at some other point when it comes up, I'll, I'll have to drop on the pod. Cause I, I have fun telling that. Hopefully it was uh, fun to listen to. Thanks for listening guys. Peace out. Bye. Hey everyone. Mondo here. I just want to take the time to say on behalf of myself and Aaron, that we appreciate everyone who's taken the time to listen to our podcast. We know there's hundreds of thousands of podcasts to choose from, but you took some time out of your day to listen to us ramble on. Please share our podcast, like and subscribe, follow us on all our social media platforms and all that jazz. Whether you love us, hate us, agree with our opinions or disagree, we still love you.